You're listening to a stranger podcast, thestranger.com. Well, hello there, everyone. A few days after Halloween, and I'm still working through my kid's big basket of Halloween candy. Because it's not really a... I don't want to eat all this sugar. But somebody's got to. It's an intervention. It's this. I, I have to get fat or my kid's going to get fat. Or I have to get diabetes or my kid's going to get diabetes. I'm just throwing myself under the bus to save him. Welcome to the podcast. The once a week uh, out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. We call it the Savage Love Cast, as you know. You download it at thestranger.com slash savage. And the phone number here, if we want to record a question for a future podcast. God damn, these Milky Way bars are so caramely. 206-201-2720 is the number. Uh, Try to keep it under three minutes. Please try to call from the landline if you can. And we have tons of calls. You know, ever since uh, Ira Glass at This American Life mentioned the podcast on his show when I recorded a piece for him, it's just taken off. We've got so many people downloading it every week and so many more people calling with questions and problems and contentious issues that they wish to take me to task for. Uh, but I'm not going to waste a lot of time on this intro. I'm going to put another piece of chocolate in my mouth, sit back and listen to the first call. Why don't you too? Hi, Dan. I'm a 27-year-old heterosexual female. Um, I'm a very sexually interested woman. Um, I have a very high libido, and um, I have a lot of kinks and a lot of kinky interests. But I want to reserve those kinks and that libido for people who I trust and people who I am involved with, which means that I tend to start out relationships a little bit slower or I want to start them out a little bit slower. Um, however, I'm running into a problem where when I ask a guy to slow down, he either is becomes uninterested or assumes that I don't have those kinks or that libido, and um, if that's what he's looking for later when I want to explore those things, he's not the right guy for me. So I guess my question is, how do I postpone the kink and the, the crazy sex, but still find the guy who's willing to do that with me and not make those guys run away. Um, hey, uh, it's Dan. I just listened to your call, and I have some advice for you, because that's what I do. Okay. Fabulous. <laughs> uh, I'm eating a lot of Halloween chocolate. I hope you are, too. Uh, uh, candy corn. I'm a little sugar bust. Oh, I love candy corn. Um, <laughs> candy corn's so kinky and high libido. Uh, here's the Wonderful. thing. Here, here's my, my reaction listening to your call, and I guess I have a follow-up question for you. When you first meet a guy and you're dating him, are you like, hey, lucky you, you're, I'm like totally high libido and I'm like so kinky? Depends on where I meet him. But you do tell guys that often. Sometimes. At the outset. Sometimes. And then with, you know, with their hopes up and their dick semi, you say, whoa, slow down there, sailor. Because uh, I need to know you better, I need to get comfortable, duck waka waka. Like, is it an asterisk at the end of it, and then they have to read the small print? Are you like, hey, hey, I'm any, I miss anything goes, and we're going to go a lot, and then, whoa, 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 wait, wait, and here's the fine print, and you need to read this? And I guess sometimes, but not often. Like, usually I'm not right away upfront about it, because I want to get comfortable with people first. But if I've had a little bit to drink, I'm sometimes a little bit more upfront about it. So at what point are the guys <laughs> sort of giving up on you and walking away? Um... You know, I think it just is like they either don't want to wait for me to be comfortable with them 
so early on they walk away, mm. or I end up with a guy who doesn't have any interest in anything kinky because we took it slow and got to know each other first, and then I'm just having boring sex. Hmm. Well, how old are you? I am 27. How many guys have you dated? I have dated three guys. Oh, please. So this only happened to you three times? Well... Your call made it sound like this happens to you three times a week. Dated, like... Dated multiple, multiple dates. Dated for five dates more than that. I'm not sure. Okay. Like, so, I guess maybe I've dated 15 guys, but only to the third or fourth date with most of them. Okay, and at that point, you're not ready for bondage and swinging from chandeliers and getting the goat out of the pen. Not that yet, but I have <laughs> bondage tape. Okay, it doesn't sound like there's a problem here. It sounds like you're trying to read... Uh, some sort of specific problem or pattern into what could be an innocent set of coincidences. You know, a lot okay. of people who are completely vanilla and have low libidos and are not interested in any kink at all, uh, who have no big reveal uh, after the fifth date, like you seem to, um, have, you know, dated three or four guys seriously and 10 or 12 or 15 guys casually, and none of it's worked out at 27. Because, like I've said a lot recently in the podcast, every relationship fails until the one comes along that doesn't. Right. And that usually takes a while for most adults. That takes a while yeah. to find that one special person. You know, I guess I'm just frustrated because I've tried to put myself out there a lot lately, and I want to be dating, and I want to be Sounds like you are dating. You're 27, and you've had three serious dating things, and you've had 15 other guys you've dated. That's not bad. I feel like I've just had bad experiences. Of course you have. Of course you've had bad experiences because, <laughs> like I said, nothing works out. All relationships fail until one doesn't. Yeah. And when they fail there, it's always a bad experience. But you have to go into the very next experience, you know, but, hopeful that this is this one you, will work out. But do you recommend, like, should I be immediately up front with the kinks with the asterisk? Or should yeah, I? Yeah, I, I think you should be immediately up front. Because it's a, it's a salable point. And you don't, obviously don't want to be with a guy who's not interested in non-vanilla sex, right? Right, because so, I've had I've had guys who I had boring sex with or guys who, after the second date, wanted to push the kinky stuff right away, and I was like, whoa. So you just need to be upfront. You just need to say exactly what you just said to me, to the next guy you date, you know? I'm not vanilla, I like wild sex, but it takes me a while to feel the trust come in that makes me comfortable enough to have that wild sex. But just so you know, if we reach that point in the dating, you're in for it. You know what I mean? And if you say that, that's kind, yeah. of, that's kind of enticing. Okay. Don't present your, you know, kinks and what's coming down the road and what they got to brace themselves for. As, it's, if it's, as if it's a problem, you should present it as if it's the reward for hanging out for a little while. Okay. Once I trust you, boy, are you, I'm going to fucking sand layers of skin off your deck. That's all you got to say. <laughs> right? Okay. And you know what? It might not work out. The next four guys you say that to, the relationships might not go anywhere. But you know what? It's not because you said that. Right. Necessarily. Maybe it'll scare two of them away. And you want to scare those guys away. They're not kinky enough for you. Right. And maybe the two other guys decide they don't want to date you, or you decide you don't want to date them for reasons that have nothing to do with your kinks or your libido. And don't do the sex negative thing that a lot of people do, particularly kinky women, particularly women with high libidos, is when something doesn't work out and you're a kinky woman with a high libido, you go, oh, it must be my kinks and my high libido because that's not ladylike. Because the culture tells me that's problematic. And oh, look, it's true, it is problematic because ch- these guys all were scared away. But it's not, that's not true. That's a lie you're telling yourself about your sexuality. 
Those okay. guys will be scared away. Guys will be scared away from you for reasons that have nothing to do with your kink. Don't, don't put it. Don't, don't, don't. You know, credit your kink with scaring the guys away when that's not necessarily so. It could be your breath. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll start examining the other things that scare guys away. And, and you know, don't over-examine. You don't want to sit at home no, picking no, at no. scabs for a million years. Right. It didn't work out. Pick yourself up. Move on. Ask your good friends if they saw you do something wrong. If they're like, "No, you were cool. He's a jerk." Go, "Yeah, he was a jerk," and move on. And always remember, I always tell the kinky ladies, you are the fucking jackpot. You are so in fucking demand. There is a hundred kinky guys out there. There are a hundred kinky guys out there. Sorry, I sound like the President of the United States when I say things like that. There are a hundred kinky guys out there for every kinky girl. You can write your own ticket. You can audition the boys and have your pick of a very kinky litter. Okay. All right? Yes. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. So I was having a conversation with my friend, and we were talking about ass hair. And I have uh, a fair amount of ass hair. I don't like it, and I, I've been thinking about getting rid of it. And, we, and so one of my friends who I, you know, hopefully he won't hear this, but I think is a moron, not the same friend I'm talking to, says that it helps keep your fart keep your farts in, and I think that's a little ridiculous, because I really don't know how, once your fart gets out of your asshole, how it would actually, um, yeah, how your ass hair would, it would just, you know, kind of get stuck as it's coming through the, I don't get it. I mean, if you, wind obviously goes through trees, so, um, anyway, I'm wondering, what is the purpose of, of having ass hair? Is is there a purpose? Is it just a, a bad side effect of uh, evolution? Um, because I would I would love to I would love to hear that there's absolutely no really really good reason to get it uh, to keep it because I I would like a good reason or I'd like to have no reason to keep it so I can have it permanently removed because it I just I don't like dealing it with it when I'm taking a shit. So you say you have a fair amount of ass hair and. My impression, what I'm intuiting from your call, is that you have an unfair amount of ass hair, uh, that you feel cursed by the amount of ass hair that you have. If you had a fair amount of ass hair, if you weren't overburdened with, you know, an overage of ass hair all over your ass, uh, you wouldn't be calling me. It wouldn't be a problem. Um, and I do detect in the tone of your voice and the way you discussed this that you regard your ass hair as a problem, that this is bothering you uh, somehow. And I'm sort of reading between the lines here, but I get the impression that you'd like to get rid of your ass hair. Uh, there is no good reason to keep your ass hair. You know, once once upon a time, billions of years ago, uh, hundreds of millions of years ago, tens of thousands of years ago, we were just monkeys and we were completely covered with hair from head to foot. And as we've evolved, we've become less hairy, some of us. Well, less hairy, all of us. Um, but some of us have uh, more sort of vestigial hair here and there than others. Um, serves a purpose. Uh, ass hair does. As a, and I'm sure if I was an evolutionary biologist, I could tell you what that purpose is. Um, at my house, we say it's uh, it's to save on tooth floss. Now, about your friend's comment that it keeps the farts in, he's on to something there, uh, but not actually keeping the gas in your ass. As you point out, once it's out, it's out. What ass hair can do, um, for people who have enough of it, is it can prevent a sort of flap, flap, flap fart sound. As anyone who's ever farted while holding their ass cheeks apart knows, that sort of sound we associate with farting, the that is actually the ass cheeks, uh, because of the air passing through them, slapping together rapidly. Um, 
if you have enough hair between your ass, the fart will just sort of sift through the hair, just sort of out without causing your ass cheeks to flap together because they're not actually stuck together. Uh, so you may find, once you get all your ass hair removed, that you your farts are louder and flappier than they have been up to now due to your unfair amount of ass hair. Uh, you can get yourself waxed. Uh, and I would encourage you to do that if you want to experiment with a hairless ass. Uh, you can also undergo <laughs> expensive, uh, slightly painful, um, and combat pay for the person who does it to you, uh, electrolysis, and have your hairs removed one at a time. Um, shaving over and over and over again, your ass crack, if you're extremely hairy, is not necessarily a good idea. It's very easy to irritate the skin in that area and the hair, you know, the old wives tale, the conventional wisdom is the hair will grow back thicker and blacker. Uh, and cause you more trouble while you take a shit than it did before. So if you really want to be rid of the ass hair, there's waxing, which you can't do at home. You have to actually go to a salon and pull your knees up to your chest and watch some poor Polish lady slap wax all over your ass and then rip it all out. One big shredded piece of whatever it is they rip it out with at a time. Uh, or electrolysis. And be careful not to pass gas during electrolysis because you will blow up the room. Hey, Savage. So I'm a 21-year-old straight female in a very sexually and emotionally fulfilling relationship, but I just have one question for you. My boyfriend thinks it's really hot when I talk dirty, but (laughs) I'm just not very good at it. Uh, I just don't know what to say that won't come off as totally lame and erection-withering. So if you have any advice on uh, how to introduce dirty talk into my sexual repertoire, repertoire and not sound like a total idiot uh, i'd love to hear what you have to say we tried to call you back because i had a follow-up question for you which is what are you wearing um the thing about talking dirty that can make some people self-conscious is they feel like they have to spin out some elaborate sexual narrative or turn into you know some sort of world-class aural pornographer um at that moment and you really don't. It's not that complicated. People shouldn't have performance anxiety about it. Actually, talking dirty is pretty simple. And here's the twa- training wheels. Here's the training wheels way to do it. Um, don't feel like you have to say the right, just the right scathingly dirty thing or use just the right scathingly dirty sexual lingo. All you have to do is say out loud what you're doing. It works really, really well. You know, if you're sucking his dick, take his dick out of your mouth every once in a while and just tell him, I am, I love sucking your dick, your dick's so hot, whatever you want to say um, in that moment about how you feel, using I statements, about sucking his dick. If he's fucking you or you're riding and you're on top of him and it feels really great, just look him in the eye and say, it feels so fucking awesome to ride your dick. And, and that's how you get started. And then you'll find uh, as it goes along that you'll become more comfortable. If he's the one who's asking dirty talk of you, um, and it sounds like that's the case, he can take some initiative and take some responsibility uh, for getting the dirty talk out of you that he wants because it turns him on by using call and response. He should ask you questions. Uh, and all you have to do is answer them straightforwardly uh, using the language you would you would you would. <laughs> using the language you would use when you were talking about sex with your friends. You know, if he's doing something, he should ask you how it feels, and you should tell him what you think. And you guys should just narrate. As you fuck, narrate everything you do. Just talk, 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 talk. And you know what? The minute you start doing it, if the next time you guys fuck, you just commit to, as you go, speaking aloud, everything that you're doing, as you're doing it, you'll get into the swing of it really fast. Uh, and that's what you should do. The, very, the next time you fuck, tonight, fuck. Fuck your boyfriend and tell him uh, that I said that you guys 
every move you make, either one of you, you're going to say what you're going to do. And then when you're done doing it, you're going to say what you just did and say how good it was. And you'll be talking dirty like a pro in no fucking time. You just need to break through um, that inhibition. uh, And it's really easy. Hi, Dan. I'm a 25-year-old guy in a big Midwestern city you may or may not be from. And actually, I was inspired by um, the 20... Um, the Catholic mother that called regarding um, her 15-year-old son that came out to her, and she was very supportive and recommended some resources for the 27-year-old guy with the evangelical Christian parents. Um, I'm 25, like I said. Um, I actually was very inspired by your podcast, um, by that call, and came out to my parents on Friday. Um, Unfortunately, the reaction um, was not good at all. Um, it was actually a very hostile reaction. Uh, my father isn't, hasn't spoken to me. They haven't spoken to me since. So it was really hurtful, um, especially when you compare it to, you know, the reaction of the Catholic mother that was on your podcast. So I'm just kind of wondering, um, you know, kind of where to go from here. Like, it's painful, but, you know, you talk a lot about, like, getting rid of the, quote, like, if I that's bullshit, you know, the Christian bullshit, the Mormon bullshit, the Jewish bullshit, like all the bullshit, and to really, like, become your own person and really, like, feel good about that. And I know that it's early and I just came out, but I was wondering if you had any advice, um, because it's very hard to see my parents just completely shattered and, you know, make some really nasty comments about um, me and, and gay people and just, you know, it's almost like they're going through a grief process, like I'm dead. So, David, it's Dan. I just listened to your message. Cool. Uh, and I feel terrible. I feel like I ruined your life. No, you didn't ruin my life. It was it was coming. You were partly inspired, you said, to come out to your parents after listening to the podcast where the the Catholic mom read a letter that she wrote about supporting her son and, and yeah. being there for him. You have to remember that that Catholic mom didn't write that letter 11 minutes after her son came out to her. Right. I guarantee you. Right. Um, my mom is spectacular. You know, treats my boyfriend like she would any other daughter-in-law uh, or son-in-law, and you know, loves him, loves us, totally down with the gay thing, thinks we should get married. Uh, mm-hmm. Wouldn't have me straight if I could take the pill and be straight. <laughs> when I first came out to her, though, it was tough at first. She had a hard time um, uh, for you know one summer, and then she got over it. She got up to speed, and she decided that she was my mother first and, you know, the bigotry that she'd grown up with and learned and uh, would have to go, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just hard because, like, I know that what's going on with them is, like, you know, they're from the Midwest and not the big city in the Midwest, and they, you know, like, their dreams for me are, like, crushed and, like, the pain won't stop and, like, it's just so hard. It's like, how do you feel good about yourself? It's like, I caused that. Like, I was doing this for me to, like, have a good relationship with them and to really, like, feel great about myself. You need to repeat that. You need to repeat to them that I'm telling you the truth because it's the only way we can have a good relationship. And this is who I am and it's who I've always been and who I always will be. Are you an only child? No, I'm not. I'm actually, I have two brothers, so you would think that they'd be okay, because, you know, they're, you know... They're straight. You're still going to have your grandchildren. And, you know, (laughs) even with you, they could still have grandchildren. Yeah, that's what I said, although it's not the time for that conversation. She wasn't thrilled about that. (laughs) (laughs) Give her her time. Send her books. Let them say every horror... Like, when you come out to your parents... It's a moment, really, in your life where you're already gay, you're already comfortable with yourself, yeah. and it's big, shocking news for them. And it's a reversal, really, where you suddenly have to parent them 
you have to help them you know along this through this learning process you have to help them adjust you have to do for them what they did for you basically at puberty or at other difficult stages in your childhood where they were mm-hmm. your parents and they were there for you and they protected you and they let you be a bratty kid and they sucked <laughs> it up a little bit yeah you know what i mean and they yeah. let you flounder around a little bit but they were a rock you need to be the rock for them however shitty they're going to be right now mm-hmm. with one caveat you tell them they have a year to get it together okay the mom, dad, you know what? You can ask me anything. You can say anything. You can be mad at me. We can scream and yell. You have a year. You have to read these books. We have to talk more and more. But you have a year to, like, get over it. Yeah. Because yeah, you, well, you can't have them in your life if they're going to be shitty, nasty stormtroopers every time you talk to them about Yeah, this. that's what my friend said. But, like, it finally got to the point, actually, like, two nights ago, because it had been about two weeks, and I called my mom, and, like, I don't think she realized, like, how it was all making me feel and everything they said, and I just totally broke down to her for, like, 30 minutes. And she actually did, um, she called the next day and apologized. So I think we, like, yesterday, so I think we finally had, like, our first, like, civil breakthrough, you know. And, you're, like, already was, make, you're already making progress. You know what, if your mom's doing that at two weeks, in a year it's going to be a hundred thousand times better. Yeah. But you yeah. have to be the big person. You have to be the the grown up here. You know what I mean? You're gonna have to let them say horrible, hateful things and then forgive them for it. Just like when you were nine years old or eight years old and your parents didn't let you, you know, go to some sleepover or eat some pile of sugar shit and you <laughs> threw a fit and said, I hate you, I hate you and your parents rolled their eyes and let it roll off them and didn't resent you for it forever. Now you have to return that favor. And mm-hmm. let them say horrible, homophobic, awful things. Yeah. Because it's a, you know, it's some part of their brain is thinking, oh, this is my last chance, you know, their last chance to like make you straight. And then maybe if they throw a big enough fit, you <laughs> won't be gay. Just like you thought at nine, <laughs> if I throw a big enough fit, I'll get to do what I want. Right. And then right. you realized at nine, it sounds like your parents were pretty good parents, hopefully. You realize at nine that throwing the fit wasn't going to get you your way. And they have to realize now, at whatever age they are, that throwing the fit about your sexuality isn't going to change it. And also, throwing the fit isn't going to change how you feel about them. Just like when you threw a fit at nine, and they loved you still, right? right? you right. got to let them throw the fit now, and you have to love them still. Right, right. For a year. For a year. <laughs> I, yeah, for a year. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, you can keep loving them after a year, but you have to say, you know what, you have yeah. a year to like work through this, to scream and yell, you can say anything. And after a year, really, you need to be done with your grieving process about who you thought I was, and you have to accept who I am and yeah. who I always have been. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, then there's a line in the sand there. Then it's like, if I have a boyfriend, I expect to be treated civilly. Yeah. You know? That'll I be the, the next big step, you know. Do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> um, not currently. Like, I don't get it. That's a whole different issue. <laughs> <laughs> That's but another you, call. You've had, you know, t- girls on talking about that, you know. <laughs> How so. old are you? Uh, I'm 25. Okay. Wow, I don't get it. Like I'm, uh, you know, I'm attractive, successful, like smart. Like I, I, I don't get it. That's a whole different issue. Well, and but. when did you come out to your friends and family? And when um, did you come out to friends? When did you come out socially? Oh, 20, 21. Okay. So it was a little bit. Later so you know then. what? You're 19. People don't start aging socially until they come out, and the minute you come out, you're 15 years old. Even mm-hmm. if you come out at 35, you're 15 years old. Yeah. And you have to learn. Like your pro- your siblings are probably dating in sixth and seventh grade. Yeah, they, they were. had girlfriends, and they got all the like junior varsity mistakes out of the way in junior high. And you, as a person who came out at 21 with a credit card and a car and a job, have to make all those junior varsity mistakes in your early 20s. Right. And then you'll right. learn how to date, and other gay guys you're going to meet are going to be going through the same process. 
And you just need to be chill. It'll come a little later for you, but it'll come. Yeah. Probably cool. in your mouth. <laughs> Glad to hear that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, no, and I definitely, like, even over, like, the last, like, I mean, the progress from, like, three years ago and where I'm at now, it's like now I'm, like, totally ready, and I wasn't back then. So well, it, gets, cool. it gets a little frustrating. Well, congratulations. You know, you know, the minute you come out to your parents is... That's the that's the I'm a gay adult now and I'm not yeah. running around anymore. Um, yeah. Whereabouts do your parents live roughly? You know, um, it's uh, they live in Missouri. There are P flag chapters in Missouri, uh-huh. and you should put them in touch with them. Dick Gephardt's daughter is a lesbian. Yeah, I love Dick Gephardt. And you should send. Uh, I think Dick Gephardt and his daughter wrote a book about it together. Oh really? And is you it should Chrissy send your, yeah, Chrissy Gephardt. Yeah, you should send yeah. your parents that book. Oh, cool! I totally should. And you should make sure your parents have plenty of reading material around. And are you out to your siblings? Um, yeah, well, that's a different issue. Like, they want they my they were very big on me not saying anything, you know. And at first, I kind of took that as a personal affront. But I think that their reasoning is like that they don't want. They don't want my siblings to like see my parents like that, and I'm like, they can handle it a lot better than you did, <laughs> you know. So it's kind of complicated. Well, you should come I, out to your siblings instantly. Okay. No more fucking around. You're out yeah. to your parents. Be out to your that's family. That's it. That's the last, you know, straw. That's and it. Are, do you think your siblings are going to be on your side, or do you think they're going to be assholes? Um, my younger one is in the city, and he's really cool, so I think so. My older one, I don't know, but I don't really care at this point. You, you know? need an ally in the family, and if you think there's a chance, even just a chance and a good chance that your younger sibling is going to be on your side and an advocate for you in the family, come yeah. out to him right away. And then well, I have a very, support. very quick funny story. I emailed my aunt. She used to, she moved to Seattle like 20 years ago, and she lives in Hawaii now, and I emailed her right after this happened because I did need an ally, and she's very cool, and she came out to me. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, whoa. Is this your father's sister or your mother's sister? Mother's. That and was your mother's sister is a dyke and your mom doesn't know this? Uh, she does. She knew it in 1982. Your parents are going to come through just fine. Thanks, Dan. You're welcome. So glad you called. Sure thing. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Dan. Um, I have a. The first part of the question is how do I break up with my unemployed, suicidal recovering alcoholic crack addict boyfriend of 12 years uh, when he's got all those issues going on. And uh, the second part of my question is uh, I'm, I've fallen in love with a uh, married man who is ready to leave his wife for me. And that is not the reason I want to break up with my boyfriend of 12 years, but I uh, needed to know how he should deal with that situation as well. Um, other than that, I'm very happy and healthy person. Uh, hey, it's Dan. Hey, Dan. I listened to your message, and it's very depressing, um, as I'm sure you're aware. <laughs> uh, you have more right to be depressed about it than I do. Um, you, your boyfriend has all these issues going on, and you want to know if it's fair to dump him while he has all these issues going on, unemployed, suicidal, crack addict. Yeah. Um, he has no incentive, partly, to not have these issues going on if you stay with him, and he knows it, because he has these issues going on. What incentive is there for him to give up the crack, find a job, knock off the suicidal horseshit, if he knows that that's why you stay? Yeah. So my advice in a situation like this is always to call someone's bluff. Cuz 
you don't want to be manipulated emo- Are you prepared to spend the next 40 years with this guy? Well, we've already been together 12. I know, but the next 40. No. no. Okay, well, the sooner you rip the bandit off, the better. You can, if you feel bad about where he's at at the moment that you dump him, you know, just like when you fire somebody and you're their boss and you feel bad about the spot you're putting them in, you give them a big severance package. Right? What's his, what's his severance package? Well, I don't know. Like, how much money does he need to, like, be on his feet for, like, three to six months and have his own place for three to six months and get it together? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and beyond that, you have no responsibility. Do you guys own a home together? We do. Does he have equity that's his? Yes. Well, you may need to sell the house, give him half, right? Okay. I mean, you could, yeah. you could justify an unequal split because... You know, he's unemployed and you've paid more and whatever. But then you need to ask yourself, like, how much is it worth you to be rid of him? Right. To be to be apart from him? Well, we actually just had the discussion day before yesterday to um, separate our finances. Mm-hmm. And he he's the one who brought it up. Brought up separating was, your finances? Yeah, which was a great move mm-hmm. that he made to want to do that so I mean it's moving in the right direction um, it's just a difficult thing because he's not working right well okay if you own a house in the big city and you sell it you'll have enough money for both of you to live on for a little bit for both of you even to get a place perhaps yeah right so it doesn't matter that he's unemployed and this is all this all has nothing to do with the married dude you're seeing yeah, and you no, should, yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't even know about that. Okay, well, I know. I just, like, we shouldn't, we should set the married dude aside. Maybe he's the catalyst that's forcing you to, you know, confront the situation that you're in. But you can't do this all for him. Because irrespective of his existence, you don't need an unemployed, suicidal, crack addict boyfriend. And it doesn't sound like you're in love with him anymore. Right. And so, whatever else is happening in your personal life, you need to draw a bow around this, put a bow around this, stick a fork in it, it's done. Bring it to an end. Sure. And it sure. sounds like he knows that's where it's going, if he's asked for after how many years together to, for you guys to separate your finances. And don't assume he's a bigger mess than he perhaps is. Because you might be saying, oh, he's such a big mess, I can't move, you know, as a way for you to avoid the conflict that's coming. Yeah. Just go. Well, I mean, he's doing the right things. He, he's doing, the, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days. Mm-hmm. You know, he's interviewing for jobs. I mean, in, in the last week, he's really come a long way, but not enough to make me want to go back. Okay, well, cool. if you... Uh, now, I'm going to contradict everything I just said. If you okay. feel like, you know, if he's going to do 90 meetings in 90 days, if you feel like a breakup now would come at a bad moment in his recovery, mm-hmm. you can kick it down the road a month or two. But you yep. need to do it. Okay. You know, I mean, he's the one who brought up the we need to separate our finances. That seems like the right move. Did he tell you why he wanted to do that? Because he 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 feels like a, it, well, and it's true. It's more of a parent-child situation, and that because he doesn't have an income coming in, that I'm the one who has to say no. You can't buy that. No, put that down. No, do not do not uh, do not buy an iPod right now because you don't have a job. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And so he felt that if we had separate finances that he could do, he could buy whatever he wants. He could run up a lot of debt, and you couldn't say boo about it. Right. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like addict behavior right there, doesn't it? But then that discussion led to not, you know, just separating finances so that he could buy what he wants, but separating finances so that we could move on to the next step. Mm-hmm. So that was a really big step for him to say. The next step, dot, 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 meaning we're parting. 
mean, I feel like he's my he he is my best friend, but it's just not a relationship anymore. It's just a cohabitation. Be careful. All right. Yeah. Good luck. Give us a call sometime. Let us know how it all went. Okay. Okay. What about my married man? What about your married man? Oh, right. You're, they're dating a married guy. Uh, yeah. Don't move in with him right away, <laughs> please. Uh, somebody who's dumping a, a wife and uh, a sexual identity that he, you know, clung to for however many years he's been clinging to it uh, yeah. is going to be himself a bit uh, unstable and nutso when he first, like, tells his wife there's a man in his life and he's leaving her for a gay relationship. He's going to be... Absolutely, a boiling sea, and you're just getting out of one boiling sea. You don't want to jump right back into another. Right, right. Did I mention that he's deeply religious? No, you didn't mention that he's deeply religious. <laughs> yeah. Oh he, my he, god. He, he, yeah, he's a whole mess of complications, but he's a he's just he's just a you know trapped in a in a straight world that he. Um, Right. Well, you know what? Don't do do, don't do with him what you've done with your pet your the boyfriend you're about to get rid of. You get can't him on crack. Sim- what? Get him on the crack? Get him on the No, you can't be his support system. Okay. You can't be his daddy. You know what I mean? Okay. He needs I'm to... Not... You need to be... Uh, you need to get out of this relationship that you're in, irrespective of married man, and married man needs to get out of the relationship he's in, irrespective of your existence. He needs to end his marriage if he's a fag. He needs to get his own place. He needs to get on his own two feet. He needs to figure out what the fuck he's going to do with the rest of his life, and he needs to do that on his own, even if he's dating you at the same time. Don't move in together, for crying out loud. Okay. Not right away. That's what he said you'd say. <laughs> That's because I'm smart, says he. Yeah. Well, good luck. Okay, thanks, Dan. Bye. Hey, this is Claire. I'm a 19-year-old lesbian female, and I have a question. Um, my friend is a Mormon, supposedly straight girl. And we've been friends for a very long time, since basically birth, because our parents were friends together and whatever. But every time I come home from college now, because I live two hours north of my home, um, she spends the night with me in my bed, in my little bed, cuddling. And she flirts with me all the time. We talk on the phone, like, two hours a day. And we're basically girlfriends, except that I just don't get a fucker. And I really like the fucker, um, because I've been madly in love with her since I was 14. She totally knows I'm a lesbian. I don't know if she's just in denial and likes to cuddle or if she's confused. But I don't know if I make a move, then is she not going to be my friend? I don't know. I just need some help here. Uh, hey, I just listened to your call. Okay. And your friend? Yes. She is a uh, lesbian, or so? or she is manipulating a lesbian. It's yeah. one or the other. Okay. Which do you think it is? I have no idea. I know how to find yeah. out. Okay. Hit on her, for fuck's sake, if you're in love with her since you were 14 <laughs> years old. You have nothing to lose. Yeah, I do. She won't be my friend anymore. You don't want to be her friend. You want to be her lover. I don't you don't want her a- friendship. You want her... Pussy. Yeah. Right? Well, I want both. I want well, both. but you can't have both when you're a yeah. grown-up queer. Really, you can't. You can't hang out with straight friends that you're in love with. It's really damaging. Okay. So if you're going to be a great big grown-up dyke, mm-hmm. the girl you've had a crush on all these years who is coming home with you, sleeping with you, cuddling with you, she's either seeking out, she's either getting some homosocial needs met by manipulating what she rightly perceives as your desire for her, mm-hmm. you know, 
Yeah. And she's toying with you, which is vicious and cruel. Or she's a dyke, too, and she thinks that since you're the out dyke, you should make the first move. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's that, because... You don't think she's a dyke? Well, she might be, but I think if she is, she's conflicted about it, because she's, you know, like a good Mormon girl. Like a very good Mormon girl. And, And, you know, like a lot of very good blank blanks whatever, uh, who have gay friends who, you know, when the good blank blank whatever is closeted, they want the, yeah. the cl- they want the out friend to make the move so they don't have to feel responsible, at least at first, for their homosexuality yeah. or homosexual desires. And, you know, your friend could be bi, or you could be the one girl on earth that she feels a sexual attraction for. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you yeah. got to make a move. And okay. you, you want her in your life as a honest-to-God lover, not as this, like, personal best bullshit or whatever the hell's going on, right? Yeah. Or you need her out of your life. Because, you you know, I used to, in high school, I hung out with a guy that I was totally in love with. He knew I was totally in love with him. And he had me wrapped around his finger because he knew I was totally in love with him. And he was super manipulative because of it. Yeah. And I needed to be away from him. We're not friends now. Okay. Because it wasn't healthy for me as, like, a healthy grown-up gay adult to hang out with this straight guy who manipulated me and was willing to meet, you know, a a tiny bit of my emotional needs, teasing me about my sexual needs so that I would do whatever he wanted me to do. You're totally right. I'm going to make a move this weekend. Good. And, you know, it doesn't have to be some cheese ball, hand on her thigh, lean in for a kiss move. You can just have a conversation. She knows you're a lesbian, right? Yeah, she does. All right, so you just need to, like, have a, what the hell is going on here, and I'm a lesbian, and this is making my heart and my cunt hurt. (laughs) All this cuddling, all this physical contact, you know what that does to me. Yeah. And you know who I am, so you're doing it for one, Stan Savage says you're doing it for one or two reasons, because you want to take our relationship to a physical level, too, or because you're a manipulative bag of shit. Which is it? It's that kind of pillow talk that really endears me to people. <laughs> well, next when we're in bed together tonight, I'll tell her that. She's coming over to sleep at your place tonight? Uh, I'm going home, and she always does, I assume. We talked about it, yeah. She does. Every, when I, I go home for the weekend, she spends every night in my bed with me. What yeah. do your parents think of this? They think we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Are you out to your parents? No. Oh, no. Because uh, they're Mormon, and they pay my tuition. Uh, and it needs to stay that way. Okay, yeah, well, you have a right to be closeted to your parents if they're paying your tuition, but only until the day you graduate. Graduation that's, day, throw your hat in the air, turn around and scream on the dike in your mom's face. That's what I was planning. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that. Give us a call next week and let us know how it all turned out. Okay, I will. Thank you. Okay, bye. Wow, that show got really gay really fast. Sorry about that, straight listeners. We had one straight call at the beginning, then we had what I think was probably a gay dude talking about his ass hair, because really, straight dudes don't worry about their ass hair uh, in my experience. And then it was just all queer all the time. Um, but not that straight people can't, you know, the advice for queers can't apply to straights too. It can. That's one of the lessons of Savage Love, the podcast and the column. Um, but man, I, I feel all gayed out. I want to go, uh, drink a beer and fart for a while or something. Uh, this has been the podcast uh, and I'm wrapping it up. I'm getting the, uh, wrap it up already motion from the, uh, tech savvy at risk youth on the other side of the room. You download this podcast every week at the stranger.com slash savage. If you want to record a question for a future, uh, podcast, please do. 
Give us a call at 206-201-2720. Try to keep your question to under uh, two or three minutes. And if you at all possible, call from a landline. Once again, that number, 206-201-2720. Happy November, everybody. And I'm going snowboarding. Talk to you later.